0: Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim. everybody. So welcome back. We are back for another session of our Sira, the life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So just to uh, touch quickly on what we covered in last time's session, in session fourteen, we were talking about um, the second revelation that came down to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which was telling the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, that he must now go and warn his nearest and dearest, if you like. So this is when he started to make the preaching public. And we talked about who the first converts were to the truth of Islam. And we spoke about um, Abu Bakr, we spoke about Zayd ibn Haritha, we spoke about Khadija, obviously, as the first convert to Islam, Waraka ibn Nawfal and then we mentioned that Ali the son of Abu Talib was also one of the first converts so just to pick up on that when we're speaking about Ali and if you remember like i said Ali is the son of the uncle of the prophet muhammad peace and blessings be upon him abu talib and when uh, and we said that abu talib was you know a man of you know restrained financial means if you like he was reasonably poor and once the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, had got married and had his own house. You know, he was now married to Khadija, he had offered to take Ali to live in his house to relieve the financial stress from his uncle, Abu Talib, um, because Abu Talib had lots of other children and he wasn't financially well off. So when Ali was a baby, he came to live with the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. So now at this point, after the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi has received prophethood um, and he is praying with Khadija radi and Ali radi sees them praying and he asks them, you know, what is this about? What are you doing? He's never seen anything like this before. So the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, tells him, this is the religion of Allah that Allah has chosen for Himself and He sent His messengers with this religion. So I, says the Prophet Muhammad, so I am calling you to Allah alone. He carries on and he says to him, There are no partners with Allah, and I call you to worship only on Allah, and to deny and not to worship those idols like Lat and Al Uzza. And Ali when he hears this, and you know, it's beautiful the way the Prophet Muhammad has, in a nutshell, told Ali what the religion of Islam is about, that he's basically stressed the oneness of Allah, that only Allah should be worshipped. And remember, Ali is quite a young boy at this point. Some say he's eight, some say he might be ten. So, you know he doesn't say sort of say to him oh you know you won't understand i can't really explain it to you he tells he tells it to him very simply in very clear language so that he as a young boy can understand what the message of islam is about he doesn't sort of cast him to one side and think well you're not important you're only a child why should i explain this to you he sees him as a soul that is worthy of worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he tells him very clearly what islam is So once Ali Radila has heard this, he says to the Prophet Muhammad, Well, I've never heard of this before and I can't really decide to accept this until I speak to my father, because obviously that's you know out of respect for his father, if he's going to change his beliefs, he thinks he must speak to his father first. So at which point the Prophet Muhammad says to him, Even if you choose not to believe, please just keep this information to yourself. In other words, don't go telling everybody because remember the Prophet Muhammad wasallam was calling people to Islam but he wasn't spreading the message publicly. He was kind of giving a private invitation to people, a private da'wah. So Ali Radhi an we know, he he went to sleep, you know, that evening and decided to basically sleep on it, you know, this information, let me see what happens. And we're told that Ali Radhi an says that in at night you know during that evening islam entered his heart and then in the morning he went to the prophet muhammad sallallahu and he accepted islam and in another narration we hear that ali and says to the prophet muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, well i was going to ask my father but allah created me without asking my father so i should worship allah ﷻ, and i have no need to ask my father in other words you know allah is the one that I must believe in whether my father accepts this or not. So Ali had seen the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, praying with his wife Khadija. And that's when he had become, you know, his interest was piqued. He thought, you know, what is this that's going on? But it, we know that the five times a day prayer that a Muslim prays, that wasn't actually commanded until much later on, in the event of the Isra and the Mi'raj, which inshallah, one day we'll get to. Um, And that was when the Salah was made compulsory. But in fact, Salah was commanded from the very beginning of prophethood. But just the five times a day prayer that was instituted in that um, ascension into the heavens, the time where the Prophet Muhammad had that um, incredible experience. But so if Salah was commanded from the very beginning, what was the nature of that Salah? How did they pray? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an that we should praise and glorify him in the morning and in the evening. So some scholars will say that this command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means that prayer was actually compulsory on the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from the very beginning of prophethood. But that's, that's, you know, that some scholars are saying that it's not kind of like um, confirmed that this is exactly what that means. But what we do know is that the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ prayed salah morning and evening and actually at night, in the night time, the Tahajjud prayer. And the way the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, was actually taught how to pray, how the motions, the words, all of that is absolutely beautiful. Ibn Ishaq, one of the main narrators of the, the seerah of the biography of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, he mentions how the Prophet Muhammad wa sallam, was taught the prayer. He says in his account, Khadijah, may Allah be pleased with her, was the first to believe. And Jibreel sallam, the angel Gabriel, sallam, came to the Prophet Muhammad, alayhi he took the Prophet Muhammad sallam, behind Mount Safa, and he used Zamzam, the water of Zamzam. So here he taught the Prophet Muhammad privately to make wudu, privately in the sense that it wasn't in front of people, it was sort of behind the Mount of Safa, so they had some privacy. And they used the water of Zamzam, and he taught the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, how to make wudu. So if you've ever attended a prayer class, a prayer workshop, and they've, you know, they've had water there, and they've shown you how to make wudu. That's literally the way the angel Jibril Islam has taught the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu how to make wudu in that practical way. You know, first you do this, then you do that. Then we are told that they, the angel Jibril Islam and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu prayed two rak'ah, so two units of prayer, with four. So because obviously each unit of prayer, each raka'ah has two sujood. So with two rakah, then you have four sujood. And then the Prophet Muhammad wasallam went back home. So there you go. He learned the absolute basic prayer, the two unit prayer, the two raka'ah prayer. That if you've ever attended one of my prayer workshops, that's how I teach it, where we learn the two raka'ah first. So then he took his wife we're told the Prophet Muhammad took his wife Khadijah by the hand and he took her to that same place and taught her how to make wudu. Then he prayed the two Rakah prayer and from that day on the Khadijah and the Prophet Muhammad would pray together in their home. So Subhanallah, the Prophet Muhammad was taught by the angel Jibreel Once he knew how to pray, he then taught his wife how to pray. And then from that point, they prayed together. They prayed as a family right from the beginning. And this is something that we know even in our own lives, if you have children you are always trying to encourage them to pray together as a family because it's like a, a saying you know the one who prays to, the family that prays together stays together in the sense that it creates that bond of faith as a family and the very first thing that you do as a muslim you can see from this the prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the first thing that he was taught by the angel jibril was the prayer was the salah And you know that once you've taken shahada, if you've converted to Islam, the first thing that then becomes compulsory on you is the prayer. So the first thing that a person needs to learn, or should I actually say needs to be taught, is the prayer. So somebody who knows how to pray should then be teaching a person who's accepted Islam how to pray. And that's why, you know, there are prayer workshops. I myself run prayer workshops. This is why that is the case. And you can see where that precedence comes from the angel jibril taught the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi and then the prophet muhammad sallallahu taught his wife and then subhanallah ali radhiyallahu sees them pray and you know this is what makes him interested in what's going on and he takes his shahada he accepts islam so another early convert that we can talk about and um, the first adult male was abu bakr radhiyallahu we know that he was about two or three years younger than the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and that actually he was the closest companion in the Prophet Muhammad's pre-prophethood life. The friendship that Abu Bakr ﷺ had with the Prophet Muhammad wasallam was actually well known throughout Mecca. You know, sometimes if you have a friend uh, and... and you know, somebody sees you, they will ask about your friend because they're so used to seeing you together. It was that sort of thing. The Prophet Muhammad they everybody knew that his closest companion was Abu Bakr r-l-an. And actually there was no person in the society of Mecca who was closer to the Prophet Muhammad than Abu Bakr An Abu Bakr was also very much like the, the habit of the Prophet Muhammad that he was one of the people who avoided idol worship in those pre-Islamic times and he lived a good and decent life. That's what he was known. He was known as a good, decent man. And we know actually that as soon as the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa told Abu Bakr radi l'an, uh, about Islam, about the prophethood, Abu Bakr radi l'an, immediately accepted Islam. And Abu Bakr radi l'an, was truly someone who, really knew the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I mean, he had spent, like, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was 40 when the first revelation came to him, when that prophethood came to him. So for those 40 years, let's say, okay, let's say for 30 years at least, you know, if you make a, a close friend, maybe when you're about 8, 9, 10, something like that. So at least for 30 years, Abu Bakr and the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had been close companions. They had been the best of friends so abu bakkar truly was somebody who knew the character of the prophet muhammad peace and blessings be upon him and this is why as soon as he heard about islam from the lips of the prophet muhammad he accepted because this is another testimony to the character of the and the excellent exemplary character and honesty and trustworthiness of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that his best friend, as soon as he hears about Islam, he accepts, he takes shahada. And actually there's a beautiful narration that once uh, in the later years in Medina, when someone was, you know, that had a little bit of maybe uh, an argument, a discussion, a difference of opinion with Abu Bakr, um, and they were criticizing him. They were criticizing Abu Bakr. May Allah be pleased with him. And when the Prophet Muhammad heard this, he became angry and he said to the one who was criticizing him, actually, this was it was Amar, who was criticizing Abu Bakr. I mean, this can happen, you know, between people at any point, can't there? There's always going to be differences of opinion. So when this happened, we're told that in one hadith, uh, we're told that the Prophet Muhammad said, Allah sent me with the truth and all of you accuse me of being a liar except Abu Bakr who said you are telling the truth remember this is this is a name that Abu Bakr is known by as-siddiq he is known as the one who confirmed the truthfulness of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam also in another narration the prophet muhammad Peace and blessings be upon him, said, not a single person amongst you, when I approached them for Islam, in other words, to accept Islam, not a single person amongst you embraced Islam except after some hes- hesitation. In other words, after sort of thinking, oh, you know, just uh, let me go and think about it. Mm, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, take a few days, whatever. So everybody hesitated. The Prophet Muhammad Wasallam said, except Abu Bakr. He was the one person who as soon as Islam was presented immediately appealed to him and without a second's hesitation or deliberation he embraced Islam. And if those two narrations weren't enough to give us an idea how close the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was to Abu Bakr Anhu, or how close Abu Bakr Anhu was to the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ how much love there was between them The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, has said, Allah has chosen me as a khalil. In other words, a sincere friend, like a friend of the highest level. And because it's of the highest level, you only ever have one khalil. You're only going to have one best, best, best friend. So the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ said, Allah has chosen me as a khalil. Uh, So I cannot have any other khalil. I can't have another best best friend But were I to choose someone It would have been Abu Bakr Al-An. So that's that's how close They 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 were And Abu Bakr Al-An we, ha, we know has an incredibly High position amongst the Companions um, And he's actually the only Person who's given a Direct reference to In the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about The incident where the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, and Abu Bakr were fleeing for their lives from Mecca And they were making the migration, the Hijrah to Medina. And they had to hide in the cave of Thawg. I know I'm jumping the gun because we are going to get to that one day, inshallah. But they were hiding in the cave of Thawg. And Abu Bakr was so worried for the, for the Prophet Muhammad, not for himself. He was worried that anything could happen to his beloved prophet muhammad sallallahu and in the quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala records where um, he says that the the second of the two in the second of the two who were there in the cave so he's referencing abu an and this is the only time that one of the Sahaba is referenced to. Actually, the only one who's mentioned by name, we know, we spoke about this before, is Zayd ibn Haritha. So these are the only two companions that are actually mentioned in the Qur'an. So Abu Bakr had a very, very close position with the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, And as soon as the Prophet Muhammad wasallam came to him to tell him about Islam, Abu Bakr we know did not even hesitate one second he accepted Islam straight away. So we're kind of mentioning the firsts, aren't we? The first boy to accept Islam was Ali An, The first woman, well, actually the first woman and the first person, let me just say that, was Khadija R.A. Um, and then the first slave um, to convert to Islam was Zayd ibn Haritha, the one that was mentioned by name in the Quran. And all of these converts were directly, you know, called to Islam by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they accepted. They took shahada with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the next batch of converts, if you like, the next lot of converts, were actually called to Islam by Abu Bakr an. So SubhanAllah. Once Abu Bakr an had confirmed his faith, he'd taken the shahada, he declared that he was a Muslim. One of the first things he did was he went to his group of friends and he called them to Islam. So there were four men who Abu Bakr was in sort of an immediate circle of friends with, and he called them to Islam. The first one was Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, may Allah be pleased with him, an amazing person. He was quite young actually, he was only about 16 years old, um, but yet he was friends with Abu Bakr, and Abu Bakr came to him and told him about Islam, and he converted. So this is within the first... Few weeks of uh, you know Abu Bakr and being Muslim, the first few weeks of Islam, if you, if you if you know if you look at it that way, um, and we, what we know about Saad ibn Abu Bukas, like I said, he was a young man, he was sixteen years old, and when he left paganism, when he turned his back on idol worship and accepted Islam, his mother, who he was very very close to, um, threatened him, basically tortured him, and Uh, you know, use emotional blackmail, which in a sense, I mean, if anybody has parents, they'll know this, you know, to actually maybe get um, a a telling off by your parents isn't as bad as when they start telling you how much you've disappointed them or how much you've hurt them. That kind of emotional, you know, pull on your heart is, is actually worse. So she was using emotional blackmail with her 16 year old son, and saying to him, you know, I'm going to stop eating and drinking. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to waste away. I'm going to die because I'm so upset. And until you give up Islam, I will not eat and I will not drink. And I'm going to I'm going to die such a painful death right in front of you. And, you know, how bad are you going to feel about that? So she's really laying on thick and telling him, turn your back on Islam. Otherwise, you know, you're going to watch me die. And she wouldn't listen Too sad until At one point when she was actually almost dying and he said to her and he was so upset to see his mum like this. It's not like he was hard hearted or cruel. He really, really loved his mum. They were very, very close. But he had such firm faith and such conviction in the truth of Islam that he actually said to her, even if I had a hundred lives and I had to with every one of those lives, I had to see you die a hundred times. I wouldn't give up on my faith. So at that point, I mean, that's pretty conclusive, isn't it? So at that point, she breaks her fast because she sees that he's never going to change. He's never going to give up. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this actual incident of Sa'ad ibn Abi waqas and all that he had to go through when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, if they force you to try to worship idols, don't listen to them. In other words, don't don't be persuaded by all that emotional blackmail, by anything that they have to say if they're going to try and make you commit um, atrocities of associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but be good to them in this world. So, yes, don't listen to them if they're trying to um, make you turn your back on the truth, but still be good and kind to them. So that was this amazing young boy, Sa'ad ibn Abu Waqas. The second one that we're going to speak about is Uthman ibn Affan. May Allah be pleased with him. And maybe people will have heard that name before because he was the third uh, Khalifa. He was the third leader of the Muslims after the death of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi The first being Abu Bakr radi the second being Amr radi and the third here, Uthman ibn Affan. In the future, he will be the third Khalifa of the Muslims after the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, passed away. And then the third one that converted uh, from the the invitation of Abu Bakr Radiallahu to Islam was a companion whose name was Zubair ibn Awam, and the he was actually related to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. He was his cousin because his mother. Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, so she's the daughter of the grandfather of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is her son, Zubayr. And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says about Zubayr, may I be pleased with him, that Allah has given every prophet a special disciple, and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala, has given me, Zubayr, as a special disciple. So he had a very, very close position with the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. And the fourth of these four from the immediate circle of friends of, the, of Abu Bakr and that converted was the companion by the name of Abdur Rahman ibn Alf. I'll I'll be pleased with him. And he was mostly the eldest out of those four because he was in his 30s. He was known as a very honest, wise, businessman, actually a very successful businessman as well, because later on we'll see that he was the famous companion who, when they migrated to Medina, and he had absolutely nothing with him because he had to leave everything behind in Mecca, all his wealth. He was so wealthy, but he left it all behind for the sake of migrating to be with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Medina. We'll see when we get to that point that he was such a, mashallah, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala had really blessed his business skills. He was so successful in business that very soon he had made back quite a lot of his wealth by just trading very honestly in the market of Medina. So these were the four that converted in those first few weeks. Now the next companion that converted was a companion by the name of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. May Allah be pleased with him. And he is a very famous companion and we'll see why in a minute. And his story of converting actually involves both the Prophet Muhammad and Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. So those first four companions that we spoke about that converted from the hands, if you like, from the hands of Abu Bakr they were all from the elite class in Mecca. They were all from like a high, high status families, high status tribes. But Ibn Mas'ud, as he's more commonly known, um, was one of the first converts that actually wasn't from the noble classes. He wasn't from those, you know, high society um, echelons of uh, Meccan society. He was—he wasn't actually from the lowest class either. So he wasn't a, a slave because that was the lowest class at the time. Um, but he was from the servant class. So he was just kind of like one step up from slave class, and he was kind of somewhere in the middle as far as you know the the pecking order in the in the um, Meccan society. So. He was um, a young man from the Yemeni tribes. And some of these men from Yemen would come to Mecca to work as servants to earn money. And he was working as a shepherd tending cattle or sheep. And he was hired by a man called Akbar ibn Abi Mu'ayt. And we'll see as we carry on that he is one of the future enemies, staunch enemies of Islam. But this is, this is early days, so uh, Akbar doesn't know anything about Islam at this point. So he's hired Ibn Mas'ud to look after his sheep and his goats, his cattle. Um, and we know what happens next because Ibn Mas'ud actually tells us in a narration. And he says, one day I was with my flock, because he's the shepherd, and I saw two men coming towards me. He doesn't know who they are because, remember, he's not Qurayshi, he's not from Mecca, he's from Yemen, and he's a servant, and so he's not really mixing in society, he's just there to work. The two men come to me, he says, and say to me, Oh, young man, we are thirsty, can you give us some milk? You know, he's got plenty of sheep in, in his care, so they're asking him for some milk. And Ibn Mas'ud says, I said to them, I'm sorry, I cannot because these cattle these sheep these uh, goats they don't belong to me and subhanallah this shows his character straight away it shows his honesty because these, these sheep don't belong to him they belong to aqta so he really doesn't have the right to be able to give any of the milk that the sheep can give to somebody without asking the owner of the sheep so the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam says show us one of the female goats that is elderly and is not producing any more milk. In other words, she's past producing milk, now she's old and she can't produce milk. So we know that Abdul ibn Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, he points to one goat, says, well, you know, this is, this is an old female goat, she doesn't produce any more milk. And Abu Bakr, r.a, took the goat, gave it to the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who made dua and put his hand on the goat's udder, which immediately filled with milk. They milked it and they drank it. And Ibn Mas'ud is watching this and he's absolutely astonished because this is a miracle. Realistically, it is impossible for that goat to have produced any milk. So he asks the men who they are and they said who they were. You know, the Prophet Muhammad says he is a prophet and that this is his companion Abu Bakr. And right there and then, Ibn Mas'ud accepts Islam and he is the sixth one to convert, so he's the sixth convert. Ibn Mas'ud was the one who the Prophet Muhammad SAW said, if you want to know how to read the Quran, read it the way Ibn Mas'ud does. And Ibn Mas'ud says, I learnt more than 70 surahs, which is effectively two thirds of the Quran, directly from the mouth of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. And the Sahaba said that they thought, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was so close to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that they actually thought he was a family member of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. Um, and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa also said, anything that you hear from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, know that it came from me. In other words, that's the trust that I have in him and the relationship that he had with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that anything that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said would be, also, the same opinion that the Prophet Muhammad would also have said. So that was the first six converts, the sixth one being Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And after this, the majority of the converts were actually from the slave class. And amongst them are the famous names like Bilal, Radhi ibn Al-Arat, Radhi Then you've got Yasir and his wife, Sumayya, Radhi L'an, and their son, Ammar. An. There's another very interesting account of one of the converts whose name was Amr ibn Abasa and this is a hadith in, narrated and in, collected in the collection of Bukhari and uh, we're told that this man Amr ibn Abasa, i be pleased with him, said that I came to Mecca in this period of time in this early stage of Islam and I heard that a man was saying something different about religion. And he said, I was never satisfied with idol worship. So Amr ibn Abbasa had come from, you know, from far away from Yemen. And he was visiting Mecca to do the tawaf and, you know, or the rites around the Kaaba. Because we know that the Kaaba was a holy place for all of the Arabs because of the religion of Ibrahim salam. So Amr ibn Abbasa said, I was never satisfied with idol worship. In other words, I never liked it. And I always wondered about religion and God and the purpose of life. So when I came to Mecca, he says, I heard that there was a man saying something different. So I managed to track him down and came to him, even though he was away from the people. In other words, he wasn't always mixing with people. The Prophet Muhammad wasn't really amongst all the groups that would hang around. But he managed, Amr managed to track him down. So he says, when I found him, I spoke to him with gentleness and good manners. And I asked him, what are you? In other words, how can you be saying these things? Where have you got this from? Because this is something very new. Remember, the Arabs were worshipping idols. And here is this man, the Prophet Muhammad, sallam, saying, no, there's only one true God and you should only worship him. So the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi said, "Ana nabi. I am a Nabi. So Amr says to him, and what is a Nabi? Because that concept of prophethood had absolutely got forgotten. They didn't know in the in, the, in Arabia at that time. No one knew what a prophet was. They all knew about Ibrahim but they had forgotten what prophethood was. So the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi says to him, someone whom Allah has sent. In other words, Allah has sent me. And Amr says to him, what has he sent you with? In other words, what is the message that you are coming with? If you are somebody who is sent, you are a Rasul. What is your Risala? What is your message? And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, to fulfill the ties of kinship and to leave idol worship and to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So again, look at this how beautifully the Prophet Muhammad has summarized Islam in three short sentences, sentences to fulfill the ties of kinship, in other words, to be good to your family, to your parents, and you know, and, and the importance of family here is emphasized to leave idol worshipping because they used to worship idols, rocks, stones, we know all this, and to turn to worship Allah alone and that is the basic teaching of Islam and that's summarized so beautifully like that. So Amr says or said should I say I want to be of your religion you know I want I want to take on Islam this is what I've been looking for and I want to help you. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu says to him no now is not the right time and Amr says to him well Who's following you? How many people have you got in this new religion of yours? The Prophet Muhammad ﷺ says, one free man and one slave. In other words, he's talking about Abu Bakr and Bilal And of course, there were other converts. We've just spoken of some of them. But he's trying to emphasize, look, I've hardly got anybody following me. I've hardly got anybody supporting me. Very few people, just one free man and one slave. He's sort of trying to make sure that Amr knows that I really don't have a large following. So the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu says, no, right now you cannot come and help me. You are not from the Quraysh. In other words, you don't live here in Mecca. But wait a few years when you hear that my message has spread, subhanAllah. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu knew, he was sure that there would be a time that would come when many people had accepted Islam. So he says, wait until you hear that my message has spread. Then come back to me. So the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam accepts his shahada. He, you know, Amr uh, takes on Islam. He becomes a convert. But he says to him, no, don't stay and help me. That's not a possibility because Amr isn't from the Quraysh. And they would absolutely harm him because he wouldn't have had any of his own tribe there to back him up. So Amr says, I went back to my hometown and I waited and waited until I heard that the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ had emigrated to Medina. So he waits 13 years, basically. has emigrated to Medina and established the Islamic State. So then I went back to him. So this is now like in the 14th or 15th year of of the prophethood. And Amr has gone back to him. And he says, when he found the Prophet Muhammad Sallam in Medina, he says to him, Ya Rasulullah do you know who I am? And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu looks at him and says, Yes, you're the one who came to me in the early stage in Mecca. Subhanallah, the memory of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi after all those years and everything that had happened in that time, he still remembers this man. So then Amr ibn Abisa stayed in Medina, and he was one of the close companions, close loyal companions of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and this incident, this, this conversion of Amr ibn Abisa actually tells us something. That in the early stage, the Prophet Muhammad yes, he was preaching Islam to the people around him, but he wasn't making it public. He was just telling the people who were close to him. It wasn't a secret, but it just wasn't open. So it was like, it was a private dawah, basically. And when Amr came to Mecca, he was told, Yes, there is somebody, you know, who's saying something a bit different from the idol worship that all the Meccans were practicing. So the people of Mecca had heard that there was this new idea, this new worship, there was a new religion, but they hadn't heard the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, directly actually sort of standing up in public and calling people to Islam because he had only spoken to his close friends and relatives. So the news had spread a little bit, but the people of Mecca, you know, they weren't doing anything about it because this was a private thing between the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, and his friends. It was a private message, but it wasn't secret in that sense, because otherwise this visitor to Mecca, Amr, he wouldn't have heard anything about it. He heard people talking about it in the streets, in the markets, you know, about a new religion, and so then that piqued his interest Amr wanted to find out about it so that's when he went in search of the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings be upon him so in these early stages in these early few weeks uh, and this incident shows this that the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings be upon him would preach Islam to those who were interested who he thought would be um, accepting the message amongst his friends and anyone who came to him who was interested in hearing about it he hadn't actually given a public proclamation of the message yet and it was calling people to islam on an individual basis and the same goes for abu Bakr he would call to his friends on an individual basis so this is how things were for the first three years it was a private dawah and they didn't actually no one went open publicly to talk about islam It was kept as a private message that was given to people on a one-to-one basis. So that was the first three years. um, And this is how the message of Islam was spreading in those first three years. So inshallah, next time we'll pick up from that point and we'll talk about how the initial stage of this private dawah then spread to a public call as well. So I'm going to finish off there and inshallah, I'll see you all again next time. Subhanakullahi wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Glory and praise be to you, O Allah. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except you. I beg of you your forgiveness and repent to you. Ameen.